Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. I am so excited to bring you guys a, an amazing guest in person and friend who we've had many conversations in the past, and I've been on her podcast. She's been on my podcast. I can link the previous episodes. We do a lot of back and forth conversations and dialogue that lives off of this podcast as well, just on our own stories. So I am going to introduce you guys to who I have here. And I know you're probably familiar with who she is because we've had some talks going back and forth, but I have my girl, Sarah Fox here, you guys. So a little bit about Sarah. She is a Christian woman who encourages others to stay pure in a world that says otherwise. She is an alumna of the King's College with a BA in politics, philosophy, and economics with a pre-law minor. She currently works as a case manager, transformational coach for youth development. And with this profession, she spends most of her time mentoring at-risk youth and preparing them for job opportunities. She's also the host of the top 10% globally ranked podcast called Rough Edges Podcast with Sarah I. Fox, where she shares educational tools about mental health, antidotes from her healing journey, and intersection between faith and mental illness. Sarah also loves performing spoken word, writing for her blog, and trying new exotic foods. So Sarah, thank you so much for making the time to return onto the podcast to have this conversation. I know we're going to be touching on a little bit of a different subject today. So I, I'm always excited to have these conversations. So thank you for coming out and making this happen again. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Paris. Yes. And you guys, if you don't know, I will put the link in the show notes for you guys to connect with Sarah after the podcast on her Instagram as well. We do a lot of different conversations there too, like some lives back and forth on different topics related to bipolar, mental illness, healing, and that intersection of faith and really what that looks like for Sarah's story. So something that we are going to be touching on that I am really excited to bring to you guys from Sarah's experience is something she shared with me. So this is something we can all resonate with is really what does it look like when we are learning how to heal through past mistakes, both pre-diagnosis and during our manic states. So that's something for me, when I was looking at this and thinking about this conversation today, this is something that I'm still always going to be working through and working on. So I love that you touch on both. What does that look like from before we were even diagnosed? And then now obviously having that diagnosis of bipolar and being able to, to navigate what it looks like to have a manic episode. So what does it mean to learn how to heal through our past mistakes during this? Yeah. So for me, the first thing when you talk about healing is to really look at the process more than the destination itself. So it's all about the journey more than where you're heading to. And so when you're looking at how do I heal from like the past mistakes, it's really just going back and looking back at those moments and not kind of like dwelling on them to the point where they become overwhelming and you become devastated at the person that you were before, but really just looking at those moments from the past and saying, you know what, despite of everything that I went through in those periods of time and those places that I don't really want to go to right now, despite of all of that, I can be able to move forward because I know what I need to work on now. And so for me, that kind of manifested itself in like 
an attitude that was kind of like, oh, I wasn't really like looking into mental health because before I got my diagnosis, I didn't really put my self-care or my mental health as the first priority. I always put it at the back burner and I always said, I'm going to work, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to continue to be a perfectionist, which I'm learning that that is just unrealistic. But that was something that I held very dear to my heart because I knew that I had a lot of things that I wanted to give and a lot of things that I wanted to share to the world. And so the goal was always moving. It was like the finish line was always moving and I could never really attain that level of perfection that I so wanted. So with that, after I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which was in January, 2021, I received the diagnosis while I was in the hospital. And I can remember this day as clear as anything else. I was in the hospital awaiting an explanation as to like what was going on because before that I was going through severe mania and what that looks like is you have bouts of energy, you're speaking really rapidly, you kind of almost have this arrogance about you where you think you're invincible, you're untouchable. And your senses are kind of heightened to the point where sometimes you experience psychosis, which is what I experienced where I was seeing a lot of things, I was hearing different voices, and it was a very scary and traumatic time for me because I went from being all energetic and giddy to being aggressive, being mean, um, saying a lot of things that I would have never said. And so given all of that and me being hospitalized after that, I was just very confused and I didn't really know what I was going through at the time. And so receiving the diagnosis, which was like in the form of a packet and it had bipolar disorder and huge letters uh, on the packet. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this? Because at first I was like, there's no way I could have bipolar disorder. and you know, over time, I learned about what bipolar disorder and having that actually looked like. But in the moment when I first got the diagnosis, I was like, this is crazy. Like, for lack of a better term, like, I was just thinking, it, it, it's impossible for me to have this. And really me thinking that was based on the stigma that was surrounding bipolar disorder specifically, because usually when you hear the term bipolar, it's used to describe somebody who was dealing with different emotions, or if you go from happy to sad or happy to angry, people would describe you as being bipolar, or the weather, if it goes from sunny to rainy, oh, the weather's bipolar. So I already had that negative connotation. So for me, looking at the past and seeing like myself before I got the diagnosis, being very sheltered to like what mental health conditions actually are, and being kind of forced to recognize that this is something that I could manage and something that is manageable as you live life. Going to the past is looking at, okay, how was my attitude toward getting diagnosed with bipolar before I got diagnosed and how is it now? And for me right now, bipolar disorder is not a death sentence. It's not a character flaw. It is something that is an indicator of what is going on internally. And it is something that gives me information so I know how to manage it. I know how to address it. I know how to look for my triggers 
and I know how to use the tools that I need to manage that. So that's what kind of goes into like healing from past mistakes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And just all of the different gems that you just dropped there. I'm always writing this down. So that way I don't miss out, even though I know it's being recorded. I just love to get it down because it's just so helpful to hear, especially when you talk about me before my diagnosis, before the hospitalization and me sitting here right now today, just the difference. And you, you talk about being your being diagnosed January of 2021, and we're about to head into January of 2024. So in these three years, being able to have that experience of here's this big packet in front of me, here's these words bipolar and no. And of course that was a very relatable reaction because that's really how I felt. And I had that feeling of No, because you see these things on TV shows and episodes. And even if you know people, a lot of the connotations are very negative of these people aren't able to function and the things we hear, right? Lazy, you you don't want to work on yourself. You're a problem. All of these different things that are so negative and just cast out on a whole group of people that's really in itself, just completely discrimination and letting these people sit in a corner and not even feel like they can even talk about this. So I think Mm -hmm. something that stuck out for me with you is you mentioned looking back at your younger self and, and seeing what you need to work on and seeing that picture clearly from today, because of your attitude changing. So you mentioned your attitude going from, no, this can't be me. You know, that go, go, go mentality, that hustle, grind, work, perfectionist, that I know I relate to a lot. And I know many of you guys listening, if you also live with bipolar or love someone who does, you might, I see that in yourself or see that in this other person of wanting to have things be a certain way and being very critical of yourself. Even if you're accomplishing things, you could have done it this way, or you could have done it this way. It's hard to really be able to look at that. So I'd love to be able to ask you too, you mentioned knowing now what I needed to work on. If you can give me maybe the top three things that if you look back at your younger self, when you first got your diagnosis or a little bit before, what are those top three things that you know today that you've done the work on that you didn't know back then? Mm, Yes, that's a great question. So for me, the first thing I would say is prioritize your self-care because a lot of the times I would put myself on the back burner and I wouldn't necessarily say no to a lot of things and I wouldn't like create those boundaries and those parameters to be able to make sure that I'm okay first I would always take it at face value like if somebody asked me to do something without hesitation I'll be like yes yes I'm, I'm available I can do it and now I know that that's like okay Sarah you got to step back it's okay to say I'll think about it and I'll get back to you you know so that's the first thing that I would say is prioritize yourself like above anything else above all the expectations that people have of you all of the things that you want to do but you know yourself you don't have the bandwidth to do just learn how to prioritize how you're feeling and what you want in a given moment the second thing that I would say is don't be ashamed to share your experiences with other people because let me tell you the Sarah that is talking to you right now the Sarah that's sitting in front of you I was not always like this. I was very introverted. I was very like reserved. I was like, I'm gonna keep to myself that way. I don't have to worry about hurting other people and them hurting me. So I was never really like the outspoken type. I was always like the quiet one. Even in the friend groups, I would be like the quiet 
friend that plans things, but likes to be in the background and make sure everybody else is having fun. Um, so that was me before. And I would say that even with that, I, after getting diagnosed, I was very hesitant to tell people. I was having that shame of like, what would other people think of me? Maybe I should just revert back into myself because I, I'm safer there. And I had to learn, like, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And even if I shared it with my inner circle, which I did first, they were understanding of it because they were the ones that reached out to me. And they're like, hey, we haven't heard from you in a couple weeks because I was in the hospital for like, you know, a good couple weeks, almost the end of the month. So they were just like, what happened to you? Where'd you go? And that was my opportunity to be honest with them. And in those moments, I was like, okay, do I tell them that I was just in the hospital or do I say, you know what? I had a, a bit of a mental breakdown that landed me in the hospital and this is my diagnosis. And I'm not going to lie. It was very hard to do that. It was very hard to say, you know what, guys, I have bipolar disorder and this is part of my treatment or at least my path to getting better treatment. And I will say that even before creating Rough Edges, the podcast and everything, like I saw other people sharing their stories. And I told Paris this before, but her podcast, when it, back when it was Master Your Mental, I was listening to, you know, some of her episodes on bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh, okay, she's out there. She's told her story. And then another podcast I listened to was This is Bipolar with Shaylee. And back then it was Julie also. And I was listening to them and I was like, oh, okay. They're not afraid to share. And so I'm like, this is something that it becomes less stigmatized the more that you talk about it, you know? And we are working to end the stigma and we still have a long ways to go, but I appreciated seeing people sharing their stories, which helped me get the inspiration to share my own story. So that would be the second thing is don't be afraid to share your experiences. And lastly, I would say tap into community a lot more because again, I as I said before, I was very reserved and community wasn't something I prioritized. And that kind of goes into a lot of like, you know, issues with trust and a whole bunch of other things. But one thing I'm realizing is, is that vulnerability breeds vulnerability like you can't have a good community without being vulnerable and that goes for both sides like you can't be sharing all of your story and then the person that you're sharing with doesn't share anything about themselves it has to be like a mutual vulnerability and I would say that shout out to all of my community my friends mentors church family because you guys were able to lift me out of those darker moments and those darker periods. And I'm grateful for the relationship that I did get to make with you, Paris, and with Shaylee and Julie, and a whole bunch of others that I didn't even imagine I was going to connect with. I was just like, okay, let me listen to these people. But now I'm actually talking with them. So that was just a blessing to know that I'm not alone and that there are other people who are there and who want to share in this journey with me. So yeah. Oh, I 
love that so much. And just hearing you get into that makes me so happy because I remember just that's the, this ripple effect that you talk about of being yourself and listening to my podcast and, and Shaylee's podcast and then really seeing that in yourself that I can do the same. I can tell my story because I feel like it goes back to that point when you talk about don't be ashamed to share your story and really at those moments feeling like, okay, I don't know if my story has value. I'm worried about different things, but that's really what encouraged me, right? It's just this whole ripple effect, right? So people listening, being able to see your story and hear your journey, right? And I think what's really incredible too is you're how old again? I'm 24. 24, you guys. And I feel like my husband makes fun of me because I always, when he hear, he'll like hear me doing stuff and he's like, you're saying how young this person, he's like, you're 20. And I'm like, because it's like, it's just so cool to me because I know I'm 28. I don't, cause he's like 36. So he's like, you guys are all young. You're all in that bucket of whatever, you know, same thing. But I'm like, no, I'm like, it's very cool to me to see this because for me, that was when I first started really doing the work for me. So to hear you talk about this and say, look, I was diagnosed from that hospitalization. And this is kind of the steps that I took. This is what I see in myself is I had this shame of even being able to tell my close knit circle of my history and Hey, you guys, you were gone for a couple of weeks. What's going on? Should I just tell them I was hospitalized? What should I share? And just those fears of what if I do tell them and then they don't want to be my friend. They look at me differently. And you even mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I did not prioritize my self-care. So to be able to call those things out and to have that awareness of it, it can take years to, to be able to see that. Cause I know for me, when I came out of my hospitalization, it took me, I, I spent a good six, seven something years going through that of kind of getting awareness of it, but really being able to sit here now and say, I know hundred percent, I was not doing this. I did not set boundaries. I would say yes to everything and really paint that picture of so clear of this is who Sarah was this time in her life. And this is what I am now. And this is what I've been able to accomplish through overcoming that fear of sharing those things, because that really ties in to that third piece, like you said, of community, because that for me, and I feel like I relate so much when you said this, because, you know, if it wasn't for community for me, I would have never gone off this past weekend, run my first 10 K because it was of that community of those friends who encouraged me. And they saw it in me before I saw it in myself. I'm like, I can't, I don't know if I can do that. That's a lot of miles at one time without no breaks, but they saw that in me and they were there to push me. Just like you mentioned with the community of people that, you know, whether it's on Instagram or whether it's in real life or however you make those connections, like you mentioned your church group and your mentors and these people in your circle and in your life of really being able to have that dialogue to check in because the, the thing is, is a lot of us have had these things in our life, but we just didn't see them because we were so clouded by that stigma, trying to convince us and tell us that these people aren't safe or you're, you're not safe to open up and tell these things so that you can really clearly see, Hey, I have this community and I do have value in my story and I can speak out and share these things and I can prioritize myself and be able to put these things in place. Because I remember when we first started talking, you were telling me that story of, I was listening, remember back listening to your podcast back in the day when it was Master Your Mental and then these <laughs> getting these episodes. And I was like, I need to know her story and to connect with you because seeing what, what you've been able to create and put together through your own story and opening up that stage to so many others and being able to open it up to me and let me tell you my story and let me feel safe and feel comfortable and just know that it's it's a community and that we're all together and we're all able to still do these things. And what I think is really cool about you is 
even offline, you guys, like we talk, like we have a little chat where we'll go in there yeah. and we have Marilla in there from Big yes. City Family. We'll, <laughs> we'll have little things. We boost each other up for the week or share little snippets or videos, but it's just really cool to have other people who also have a bipolar diagnosis who you can connect with. And no matter what stage you're at, no matter how many things that you've changed in your life, just having those core people, I think is huge. So I would love to hear for you when you, we talk about this topic of being able to go back and learn how to heal through our past mistakes. Do you have anything right now in this moment that you're thinking about in your mind that, okay, this is a past mistake that I'm still trying to do the work through and, and what that's looked like maybe this year, if you had something come up the beginning of this year and what that transition has really looked like for you. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a very deep question. Um, For me, I would say that it's still about prioritizing myself in a way that it's beneficial for me because ever so often, and I really commend you for like, you know, saying like, Hey, like you've been able to do this and all of that, but I'm still girl, I'm still working, you know, <laughs> I'm still like, I'm still trying to like wrestle with all of these things. And so for me, the biggest one, as I mentioned before, was prioritizing myself and to kind of go deeper into that, I'm still getting over the people pleasing mentality that I have because I am still I find myself sometimes just being like, okay, let me try to make things easier for that person. And sometimes I even find myself saying, hey, what can I do? What can I do to help you? And what can I do to support you? And it's never like, okay, Sarah, how can you support yourself? Because the thing that I realize, and again, it's not like a selfish type of thing where, oh, I'm just looking out for me and no one else. But it's more of like, okay, if I can't take care of myself, how can I take care of other people? It's like the saying is like, you can't give from an empty cup. So, but me now, my cup would be really dry and I would try to be like, you know, getting the little droplets to try to help other people, um, <laughs> which is something that I definitely, definitely need to work on. But yeah, so that would be the biggest thing for me. And also like creating better boundaries and learning how to say no, because that is really huge for me. And especially like with the friendships that I have and the relationships, yes, I want to do the best that I can. And I love my friends so much, but at the same time, I have to be like, you know what, let me at least think about things before I commit to them all the way through. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Like if I'm working on a project and someone hits me up and they're like, hey, want to go out? We're going out tonight. Then I'm like tempted to be like, yeah, I could go. I could just rush through this project and just meet you there. But then now I'm learning like, hey, there are certain things where I could be like, you know what, guys, y'all could go without me because I need to finish this or I need to like stay in and rest, you know? Now it's like, I, I place boundaries. So my friends are like, hey girl, you free? <laughs> they would ask that before. They even be like, hey, wanna hang out? They would just be like, are you free? Period. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so for me, it's like, yeah, setting those boundaries is very helpful because especially it makes you realize like who is actually going to take that seriously because a lot of the times I've had like hard conversations with some friends about you know it could even be outside of hanging out where I had to be like you know what this is not something that I want to do right now and I hope you can be okay with it but I'm putting up a boundary there you know 
And those are the things that make it your relationships even stronger because now they will know like, okay, Sarah has this boundary of like, she doesn't text people past 10 PM or she has to be asked like, what date is this thing going to be happening on? Cause she needs to schedule it in advance. Mm-hmm. So people get to know you a little bit more when you set those boundaries and those parameters. And that's not something that I used to do back in the day. And now it's like, me having bipolar disorder, I'm like, huh, I need to prioritize my sleep. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm not going to go out past 11 p.m. <laughs> because oh my I need to sleep at night. <laughs> I feel that so much, especially when you say the people pleasing. That's something that I've dealt with this year too, with these even relationships that you've had, very close friendships with making a lot of changes to yourself. And it can be hard, but saying I did it. I set this boundary. I am putting myself first and I'm showing myself love and compassion. Because you said, if, if you keep saying yes to everything and you just jump at every opportunity, you're going to burn out. You're going to put yourself in a position to where you're not going to do well. And you're really putting yourself at risk. So I really admire that because that's always something that I'm always trying to work on myself. I'm always trying to get better at. I've done it over the years, but it's always something I feel like is definitely a work in progress. And this is what I really love is these kind of conversations and seeing and hearing from you on what you're working on and what you're working through. And that's really what I'm excited for you because I know you shared this with us in the, in the chat is you have a lot more solo episodes coming out on your podcast. So I'd love to let the people know too, if you could give us maybe one thing that you're going to focus on. So in your upcoming season, what is one thing in a solo kind of style that you are really like, I need to share this and I know it's going to help. Oh, oh, wow. First of all, thank you for the promo. Um, uh, so before I go into like the season and everything, I kind of want to give people that may not know a little bit of background about Rough Edges. So Rough Edges podcast with yours truly, Sarah I. Fox, is all about mental health and the intersection of psychology and faith. So for me, I am a Christian woman. And so I want to prioritize like not only having faith in like dark times, but just like knowing that your diagnosis is not an indicator that you did something wrong or that you got God upset. And so he was punishing you with this. It's like you're trying to see what the intersection is between that theology and the psychological aspects of what you're going through. So while I talk about that, I also talk about different things like this past season, season four, which is wrapping up, is all about mental health in the media and how society portrays mental health through movies, TV, books. You know, we go through the whole like nine yards with that one. And so little things like that. But next season uh, is all going to be about, well, pretty much me of doing it mostly by myself. And the thing is, it's so funny because initially I thought I was going to be solo podcasting for a while, but then I was like, I would rather have a conversation with other people. And so (laughs) I would reach out to like different guests and they've come on. But now my audience is telling me like, hey, Sarah, we want to get to know you more. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, these conversations are great, but like, who are you really? So this season is kind of going to explore like my journey and it's going to go a little bit more in depth into like different things that I've had to go through and I've tried to work through and still am working through. And I'm also going to talk a little bit more about how my faith kind of helped me through a lot of that because I've been getting so many questions as to like, okay, you talk about faith and mental health, but like, what does that actually look like? 
Like, how do you bridge the two? Mm -hmm. So I'll be talking a little bit about how my faith helps me through some of those darker moments. And then I'm going to kind of do like some fun things too, where I'm going to like read poetry or just like, you know, fun things that Um... come up. Yeah, so it's in the works. (laughs) I'm so excited for you. We were talking about this too. It's just like being able to show more of you and yourself. And I think that that's so exciting, just especially to see that connection with the whole foundation of what your podcast is about, but to really bring it down to a personal level for you in this moment. And what is this looking like for me? How has faith played a role for me in my life? What has it done for me? And really just what does that look like for me to navigate these different pieces and really just have that whole season dedicated to yourself? I'm so excited to to see what you have coming. And the last thing I want to ask you too, and I know I always ask everyone this question and it's, it's really cool too, because everyone always has different answers, even if they're returning guests and they're coming on a year later or whatever the timeline is. But if you can give me right now at this point in your life, what does it look like for you to live well bipolar today? Mm, That's a really good question. So for me, living well with bipolar is learning that you do have limitations sometimes that you are in a position where you need to like just sit down and really realize like okay what are things that I need to change about myself and it's not going to be easy I'm going to say like there are times where it's going to feel like you're putting all this effort and energy and you're not getting that much of a return so what I would say is that living well with bipolar is understanding that you are human and that you need to just learn how to love yourself through the process. Self-compassion, that's another thing I didn't really mention, but self-compassion is something that is very crucial on this journey because there are so many times where you would want to be frustrated with yourself. There are so many times where you will be like, man, I thought I was like on the upward trajectory, but now it just feels like everything is gone or all hope is lost. So giving yourself the grace to be like, you know what, having bipolar disorder, I'm going to have up days. I'm going to have down days, but I am learning. I am growing. And this is something that I can heal through and something that is treatable. So yeah, I would say the biggest aspect of living well with bipolar disorder is learning how to give yourself the grace and compassion that you need to be able to build that support team, to seek that therapist, to seek the psychiatrist, to take medication. It all requires a level of grace that you need to have with yourself. And so don't beat yourself up like I do sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, just love yourself through it. I love that how you put that all together because that's something that I know we always have conversations about. We're always going back and forth with each other on. So I'm so happy that you were able to come out here and share this and just get into a little bit deeper in your story, what you have coming up for yourself with rough edges and just a little bit of history too, on what your diagnosis was like, like your journey with your hospitalization, that, that first initial hit of here is your packet on bipolar disorder to really being able to have that moment of, I can tell my story and I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to create this community to be able to have these conversations that we do. So I, I love these these moments we're able to get together and connect and really make this happen and just dive deeper into these things. So again, I just want to thank you so much for making the time to come out here and you guys as well. Thank you so much for making the time to tune in and really just hope you have taken so much value from Sarah's story as I have putting it out there for you. So thank you for taking the time to tune into this. And on that note, I'm going to say bye to you guys and bye to Sarah. So bye guys. And bye Sarah. Bye. Bye.